It's still starting. Now it is recording. So I have to let everyone know that I'm recording, just so you know. <laughs> okay, yep. so. Fantastic. All right. Okay. Laura Lee. Uh, how do you yeah. say your last name exactly? It's Scafe? Scafe, right? Scafe. Yeah, yeah, Laura Lee Scafe. Thank yeah. you for being on Radiant Creators again. So I'm Laura excited. Lee's, yeah, Laura Lee is a return visitor, which means, you know, she's crazy or brave or, or both, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All of the above. <laughs> All of the above. Yeah, so I was thinking how kind of a good show title would be something that comes from Lord of the Rings, and I love the sound of it. I think one can visualize it, and, and it just, you can see it, you can feel it. It's the flame imperishable. That's right. You know, and I think we all need to get in touch with, well, with that, you know, um, mm-hmm. I, I know that I think every individual will really have a bit of their own, I would say, definition of it. You know, I know Token mm-hmm. had his and I, I, mm-hmm. I do believe it's somewhat, you know, I've heard some people refer to it as the Holy Spirit and this and that, mm-hmm. but I mean. Each person will will find their own flame imperishable. So that's definitely something that we'll talk about because mm-hmm. I, I think people need to be. You really need to have that in your center right now. But that's right. Yeah, but to break the ice, I thought I'd ask since Laura <laughs> Lee is definitely someone who knows Lords of the Rings very well and might know an answer to this. Are orcs redeemable? Well, hmm, that is a good question. Yeah. And before, you know, we decide one way or another, it would probably be a good idea to uh, know where orcs first came from. Mm. And that comes from Saruman. So he's when he's uh, bringing his Urukai out of the muck where he created it, he says to the Urukai, do you know how the orcs first came into being? They were elves once, taken by the dark powers, tortured and mutilated, a ruined and terrible form of life, and now perfected my fighting Urukai. And then he says, whom do you serve? And it says, Saruman. Mm. So what does this mean? Well. The story goes that elves were captured, tortured, and mutilated, and basically re-engineered, or genetically modified, we might say, to become what orcs are. And I like the term orcification, because I think that's a lot uh, of what's been happening to a lot of human beings right now that uh the people are being orcified they're being tortured and mutilated and the and create and out of that is created these um poor creatures who have um had their souls sucked out of them and are either behaving as mindless minions of the forces of evil or um, are getting some, you know, some benefits, getting little payouts by sacrificing their humanity um, in the service of this uh, agenda that I just call evil. 
evil being the anti-life force. Evil is live, spelled backwards. Hmm. So this force that is on the march around the world now, everywhere in the world, in fact, and that is something that's never happened before. I mean, we've seen the foe um, attack, you know, over the millennia, groups here, groups there, this country, that country, but never has it been a full onslaught of the whole world. So we are at the Battle at the Black Gate, and the armies of Mordor are these orcified um, people who have, um, as I say, either saddled up with the foe because they're getting some goodies, or that they've just lost all ability to discern between evil and good. And I think these uh, the poison shots have, have a lot to do with that, right? I think they not only oh, affect yeah. our physical being, but um, affect our mental, emotional, and spiritual being as well. And that because they are um, mRNA or uh, affecting, at least as far as we can tell, our um, genetic makeup. So uh, that's that's where their weaponry is uh, directed at the moment is to our DNA, which, by the way, is made of light, the yeah. flame, imperishable. It is, and it's our little like our, our DNA strands are they're like they're antennas in a yep. sense where where we. We read light, you know. We read consciousness. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's it's when you start attacking on that that level, you really are orcifying a human, and that's the thing. I think somewhere when uh, uh, Saruman was Solomon Saruman was talking to uh, the Orakai, I, I think he said made perfect or something like that. Like yeah, you were elves. Yeah, elves perfected and. When you look at some of the, you know, top globalists, you know, when you look mm-hmm. at like Mr. Yeah. Mr. Schwab and that little like that little freaky troll Harari, whatever his name oh, is. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, talk <laughs> you know? about an orc. There's <laughs> a living orc. embodiment of it. I know. Seriously. And so. Yeah. I mean, when you listen to them speak and such like that, I mean, you, you really do see it. And um, they are like the kind of the, the, the Solomon of our times, you know, mm-hmm. and when when they say to so when I look at them, their idea of the perfect human and their transhumanist way of seeing things and their soulless way of seeing things and there yep. there's no flame imperishable in them. And uh well maybe there is, but I'll just say no for the sake of argument. And there there is none inside of them. So yeah, wouldn't an orc be perfect? There was something about that line, you know, made perfect, perfection. You start thinking, so you had an elf, then you made this monster, and you call that perfection. But it is really perfection when you look at what I'll call them like the globalists at the top, since you mentioned the the war is global now. Mm-hmm. The globalists who are on the top of that uh yeah, an orc would be exactly what they would want. And in many cases, it's exactly what they've gotten. 
achieved. Yeah. Well, almost because the the whole transhumanist agenda is basically to turn human beings into some kind of artificial intelligence to to completely take over anything that is human and and just use the shell you know maybe they'll keep some of the the body parts if you will yeah but it'll all be artificial intelligence and that's that's their goal that's what they want and anybody who doesn't submit their their agendas that they will just be you know exterminated yeah and that's what they're trying to do yeah yeah, one way or the other, they'll be canceled. You know, they'll mm. be removed, canceled, like whatever it takes. You know, mm-hmm. whatever it takes. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, are are orcs redeemable? I guess it's it's kind of a sort of sort of a thing. Yeah, I guess it depends on if the orc wants to be redeemed. That's the thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it boils down to, and it is, and that, and there's a big question mark there. It, is it even possible in some cases? Once the the mind control, the uh, you know psychological warfare, has been so complete that you know there are people who who there's nothing left, right? There's nothing left for them to say no. I'm not doing this anymore. So that's what it takes. It is that the the recognition, like something cracking through. All the mind control, the weaponized information, and breaking through into some little bit of humanity that's left. That's, I think, the only hope for those who have been so taken over and, and you know, those who have succumbed to taking the, these shots. Yeah. Because there's a, it's a long way back. To just the physical healing, and you know that's going to require a lot of um, dedication and willingness to turn back to the light, if you will. Yeah, and I, when I look at how wrecked people's bodies get, because um, I mean anybody who goes to, you can just go to you know images.google, you can do a search, you know, and just put, you know, beaches 1950, you know, beaches 1960, yes. beaches 1970, you know, you'll probably stop in the 90s or the 80s, <laughs> but mm-hmm. when you look that orcification, as we, yeah. you know, put it, especially with the, with the jabs, with the, you know, the, those things, um, that I definitely think has accelerated the issue amongst many things from, you know, poison food to you name That's it. That's right. You, it's been going you, on a long time. It's not just, been, oh, no, we've got the these, you know, poison shots and look what's happened. No, no, no. It's been it's been gradually building up over a long yeah. period of time. Yeah. And now when I see people and I wonder, hmm, it, uh, <laughs> are orcs redeemable? I, I, I have to kind of say, well. Some maybe don't bother really. Just just stick with it. I that would be a long road. Just mm-hmm. just 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 go home and you know like worship your little like velvet Elvis style you know picture of Klaus Schwab and stuff and just <laughs> I, 
just just keep hoping Bernie becomes president one day. Just, just oh, God help us. Yeah, just you know, just just be like you know just just keep sticking up for Trudeau and stuff like that <laughs> because I just mm. I just don't think that road anybody could actually really make it. So I'll say some orcs are redeemable if they're not mm. too far gone and they want mm. to, and that's a very unfortunate situation with the jab is because I think that plenty of good people did did you know get the jab and many of them were well you know coerced um Mm -hmm. and then you know many thought it was the right thing you name it there's a lot of reasons why um Mm -hmm. but i think that terrible tragedy i mean it really is it is a a tragedy and uh, i mean most of these people are gonna die probably in the very near future and and so there's incredible grief I think in the in the hearts of humans, you know, those of us who are awake and who see what's going on, um, it, it's just a, a deep sense of grief, along with the rage and terror, right? Um, that we're all being called upon, I I think, to come to grips with a, a level of intensity. Uh, of emotion that is moving through the collective now. Yes. And that in and of itself is a challenge to most people who have not maybe done inner work, have not had therapy, have not ever really reflected on their own um, losses and and their own anger and rage against those who have abused them in their life. Um, And because of that lack of awareness, you know, that's what is contained within the shadow. So we have our, we have personal shadow. That's our own little pile of undigested unconscious complexes that we have to be working on constantly. And the degree to which one has integrated one's shadow is the degree to which you are not so susceptible to succumbing to collective shadow. So the degree to which personal shadow is unaddressed is the degree to which collective shadow can creep in and, and take over the human being. And then you become an orc. That's basically orcification in a nutshell. Wow. You know, that's really a big one right there. I mean, because you mentioned that. So the amount of personal shadow that you've transmuted, I like that word, um, really equals the amount of, has, has a corresponding sort of equation to the collective shadow that you're susceptible to. Mm-hmm. You know? That's right. And, yeah. and that's really deep stuff. And so that's... It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because... Oh well, that's deep right there. Good stuff. So, mm-hmm. well, um, well, and it's it's you know we're all being called to our greatness now, and the and mm. the nature of that is first do your shadow work. Yes, that is turn attention within to what is it that's you know un undealt with, and and when you get right down to the essence of that, it's connected up. To what I call the terrible trio. These are the emotions of terror, rage, and grief. And they are tied up 
with the fight, flight, freeze mechanism in in our physiology, in our neurophysiology. Yeah. And and much of this goes back to childhood. So uh, I'm really finding um, in my work with clients and um, just looking out and about at how things are rolling out these days is that much of what is manifesting in people is the the wounded child that there is that that in the psyche of pretty much all human beings there there is some wounding because our parents aren't perfect and so we we do experience wounds based on that early environment and if there is not some recognition of that at some point later in life, well, then those little wounds are festering down there in the unconscious and they motivate our behavior in ways that we don't understand. So anything that is not available to consciousness is repressed and it just kind of builds up energy down there and festers. So if there is untended wounds based on childhood, um, and our early experience, then we're vulnerable to being manipulated and and to fall for this um, the the kind of big daddy big mommy idea that governments are are portraying themselves as now. Uh, well, corporations are doing it too, aren't they? Oh, oh look yeah. at us! We love you so much. We're going to look after you. All you have to do is obey. <laughs> obey, yeah. obey, and you'll be fine. And I'm your big mommy and daddy, and I'm going to protect you from everything. And you can just rely on us. Mm. The ultimate yeah. temptation to mm. to just give up all your responsibility for taking care of yourself and and your own life experience. And I mean the. The main theme, really, in Lord of the Rings is that of kingship and, of course, queenship. But the the role of a king is to build realms. And for for a man, a man who, who is attaining kingly stature is a man who has contended with his own inner realm. The first realm a potential king has to master is his inner realm, and that is this emotional contents, that shadow stuff. And once that has been wrestled with and brought to consciousness, well, then that man can become a realm builder. So what does that mean? Well, uh, building a family unit you know, a house, a home is the realm. Your family is the beginning of your realm. And then from there, expanding out to maybe your business or your work environment, whatever it is you do in the big world. And then from there, a man who is seeking kingly stature will seek to make allegiances with other men of kingly stature. So so that the idea of realm building is not like one guy who's going to control the world. It, it's men of kingly stature 
mastering their own realms, coming together and making allies and building a a network of kings around the mm. world. Oh, I like that. So it's like first it's your inner shadow, then you begin your realm building, you know, work, mm. family, home, I guess you could say. Yeah. And then it becomes allegiances where you you branch out to make a I guess you say a a stronger world you know mm-hmm. based a on network of a independent network. realms that's oh important. yeah that's the important part um it, it's just like elves dwarves hobbits and men you know there's all these different kinds of people with different beliefs or traditions or even skills and in in the lord of the rings you don't see the dwarves coming into you know to lothlorien or rivendell and saying okay we're taking over now you know we're going to rule this no yeah. that that's not how it works um the the elvish realms are for elves the the mountain the the deep in the mountains is the realm of the dwarfs that's for them to master and the realm of men is is a different realm and the shire is the realm of hobbits these are different realms but all of those realms are under the the tending of the king of a man of kingly stature who holds the space who holds the thing together because it is it is the king that creates a realm that is safe enough for life to grow and that then that is the realm of the feminine of the queen but if mm. there is no place safe enough for life to grow well, then we're going to have a situation like in Lord of the Rings where all the mothers die of grief. Wow. Yeah, there's no mothers. Aragorn's mother, Eowyn's mother, Arwen's mother, all die of grief when touched by evil. And aren't we seeing that now? Everywhere. Just, for, just as an example... Uh, this um, so-called pride agenda oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and this, um, you know, drag queen story time and, and this sort of thing, this invasion of orcishness I- into the realm of, of children, of these vulnerable little souls who, who are being infected by this just toxic um, ideology, this anti-life agenda. And and in the course of that, I mean, the most horrible thing that, you know, I, I can think of, and uh, I've been doing actually quite a bit of research on this whole thing and gathering up a compilation of some of the um, oh videos and pictures of these um, drag queen events. And, I mean, they are horrific Absolutely horrific, just unbelievable. And then, and and then you look in the audience, and there are mothers there, with their little babies, their babies and their little toddlers, 
allowing these creatures to uh, perform obscene sexual acts in front of their babies. That's, that's when the mothers die of grief. Those mothers have died of grief. They aren't even there anymore. They have no, any mother who would bring her baby to something like that, it has, uh, has no awareness of what she's doing. There is no mother there. That mother principle, that queen energy has been taken away. And, and there, the mother, capital M mother, um, has died of grief. So I think this is something that women need to be really, really paying attention to. So as the men are now being called upon to build realms, I would say it's up to us as women to be zooming in on on this kind of thing. What is happening to these children, not only with the uh, this pride agenda, but also with these um, injections because they're coming now for the newborns. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, they've already got the pregnant women, so, so you're getting it before you're even born. Oh, yeah. And, and then, boy, as soon as you come down the chute, they got a needle ready for you right away. Oh, yeah. So, so this is the preying on the children. It's basically eating children. And that's what and orcs like eating children. That's for sure. They do. They do. Like that's yeah. like no no joke, people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and they, and that's a, there's a wonderful scene where um, Mary and Pippin are are taken by by the orcs, and and there's one scene there where um, the orcs want to well they want to eat them. <laughs> yeah. You know, hey, do these look juicy? How about if we just, you know, can we just have one of their legs or something? Yeah. I mean, that's a very telling scene because the the hobbits are the are about the size of children of around five years old. Oh wow. Uh-huh. Yeah, and how I think when Solomon was sending the orakai to uh, get the halflings, as he called them, I think, to get yeah. the hobbits, he also he says, you know, bring them back alive, and he goes. And unsoiled. And the orcs mm-hmm. like, orc is like, uh Yeah. Oh, I just really would like to eat them. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we can't soil them. Uh, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, really. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> That's our favorite thing. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but isn't it, isn't it just yeah. so, um, it, it's so perfect, a, a metaphor for what's happening right now. Oh, it absolutely is. So it's, you know, I didn't realize that it would get as deep as it has with uh, just our orcs redeemable. But, you know, sometimes uh, there's just synchronicities. You know, it really was a great thing. It really is a great thing to dive into. Um, and, yeah, are, are the orcs redeemable? And so we've gone down quite a road with that. And it's a question for people to ask, you know, or, or yes, contemplate. Because um, you're living amongst them now. Yes. And, it is now we even have the, the physical. So in the creation of an orc, we think um, 
you know, I've always thought from the movies that where you do see them being you know, uh, created from the ground, from the earth, you know, stirring the earth and from mud, basically. And that to me think makes me think about. I think we may have talked about it last time, but that's like like in Jewish folklore, like it's a, it's a golem, you know, kind of yeah. a servant, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And right. that's where Peter Jackson went with it. Now I don't remember in the books if that's how they were created, but definitely in the movie they really they really hit on something. Mm-hmm. But you know, but one way or the other, I forget if it references in the books how they were created, how Solomon was creating the army, but um, they really did hit on something that they are created. They did not exist. They did not come from God. They That's came right. From, they were not they came, made by Eru Iluvatar. No. Yeah. So they don't really have the flame imperishable. They were created by man, by Solomon. Well, Saruman was um, not a man. He, oh, that's he right. was a wizard. He he was um, a wizard gone bad, <laughs> right? Yeah. And and uh, because he was tempted by the Ring of Power, that Gandalf was able to resist because Gandalf knew in in the moment where. Frodo picks up the ring and he says to Gandalf, you know, take it, please take it. Gandalf says, no, don't tempt me, Frodo. If I were to take that ring, you know, it would be more terrible than you can possibly imagine because he he would want to use that ring um, out of righteousness and force his will. You see, that's what the ring of power is all about. Mm. It, it's it's not that power itself is bad. And I think really this whole the whole story is just really a study in the nature of power. And we don't we don't want to be powerless, but at the same time, power is is a very big thing, and I think it's a a, um, a necessity in life, in our life as modern humans, or so-called, um, we have to master this business of power, and it's the lust for power that's the problem. The lust for power and the will to dominate all life power in in the hands of say a king like aragorn is is to be shared at the at the after his coronation he announces to to the crowd you know this day is not for one man but for all that we all may share in the days of peace yeah so every single person is responsible for claiming their own power as a human being as a as a scintilla of the flame imperishable which is the light the light is the life force of the universe Mm. out of which comes everything yeah and we each are a little spark of that light. And our personal journey 
our personal process of individuation, our hero and shiro's journey. It is, first of all, to recognize that that is the case, <laughs> that we are these um, little sparks of light. You could call that spirit, um, consciousness, that, that inhabit these amazing, miraculous animal bodies. And that in itself is a real challenge. It ain't easy being a no. spirit riding around in a physical body <laughs> because <laughs> we have to wrestle with all the animal instincts. So we can't be like animals. Um, and yet we're, we, we're not fully spirits either. Like this is the task, the challenge of being a human is that we all must master this business of being incarnated in matter and having that power and being um, able to wield that power in a way that serves the light, the flame imperishable, or turns to the dark side, which is the lust for power and the will to dominate. That's the key, the will to dominate all life. And, and as we look around at the characters that are presenting themselves as the leaders of the world, <laughs> yeah. um, isn't that exactly what they're up to? It is the they will to dominate. One yeah. ring to rule them all, one world government, one world religion. One, yeah, one umbrella under which everyone is controlled. And not oh, only yeah. every human being, but every living thing. I mean, they're not kidding around. And that's why I think a lot of people make the mistakes. The Internet of Things, right? Oh, I yeah. mean, they want control of everything. Yeah, you're everything. one of those things. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah. Your you're humanity is... Thing. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, <laughs> on a network, you know, that's, that's right. uh, digit that on the screen. Yeah, and people have injected, you know, certain like you know fine metal particles in themselves to be good antennas to be uh, mm -hmm. to be on that network, that wireless network of control. Yeah. yeah. So, well, the will to dominate is a big one because I see. I think the long. I think the longer we're here on Earth, the more we realize and we see how yeah, what happens to children. Um, which is why there should not be like, you know, uh, drag queen reading hour or drag shows or any of that crap. Because mm -hmm. these things that happen to kids, we realize as, as we go along that it is not big, big things. Yes, of course. But what people don't realize that oftentimes is and they come to is that it is the little things that the, the yeah. damage that drag show right. will do to a little kid. Yeah. They'll be working that crap out when they're 90. No kidding. And you, know? you know what it is, Craig? It, it's the colonization of the imagination. So, mm. And now this is this is kind of their last big game because they've not been able to the foe have not been able to to do this quite to this extent until now. So we all know there's been a war on for our minds, and that's been going on for you know decades. Um, and 
for those of us who are, you know, aware of these things, we know that. Yeah, we know there's yeah. all there's the information war, and and uh, but what is less um, obvious, perhaps, it is this colonization of the imagination. That's what they're going for now, because it is out of the imaginal that everything else comes. Yes. Anything that's been ever created by human beings has come from the imaginal everything that is made by humans on earth came out of that imagine imagination the imaginal realm and if they the foe can contaminate and colonize and implant toxic images in the imagination of children then they have them forever because those children now are going to have to get past that all of that toxic imagery to to be able to get down into the purity of of the human imagination which is where we as human beings connect to the light to god or goddess or the divine creator, whatever you want to call that, that happens in the imaginal. So if if the imagination can be colonized with these toxic images, then it, it's like having to, you know, crawl through a, um, a bramble field, you know, trying to claw your way out of this toxic crap to get back to the purity uh, of the soul that manifests through the imagination yeah it reminds me of neville if anyone's familiar with like neville goddard he was a a biblical scholar you know and he had a unique version a unique way of seeing things that i liked and he Hmm. always he he said that uh our imagination he would literally say like your imagination is god that's where you Mm -hmm. are the divine you know, and Beautiful. so we, Love yeah, that. we, yeah, we are bringers of like you are God's imagination. You create, yes, right, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. create and, everything that is ever created comes from there. And and, and yeah. what the what the foe are doing is implanting these toxic pre-digested images. And and for for a child, especially a very young child, so so children are still basically in magical thinking until around six or seven years old. Um, I mean, I think it's they're you know now that children are being put in you know daycare and these various kinds of things um, at a very early age. It, it's it's starting even you know younger than seven, but ideally. A child is supposed to be in magical thinking, meaning that the imagination is still, they still have access to the imagination and and the wonder and awe that comes from that place. And then as we, you know, start to go to school and we're being exposed to peers and the larger, you know, community and the world and so forth. Well, then we're getting more into rational thinking and that uh, imaginal 
magical kinds of um, thinking begins to fade. And sadly, I think many, many adults um, just don't even tap into that anymore. Like there's no magic left. It's all just, you know, kind of rote regurgitation of something that they were told or that they heard and no capacity to to reach in and connect with the divine imagination. Yeah, and it's essential to, well, our imagination is our, you could say, our essence in great part. And so we're manifesting this experience from there. And so without, it's all, without imagination, without, like you said, everything that exists was first imagined, you know, without the active creative imagination without time spent there in meditation is what i would say uh you know meditation imagination this creative acknowledgement the spirit that knowledge of i am and and a creative force from there without that the flame imperishable we yeah we really just become zero it's like orcs orcs we we stop manifesting like the thing is, like imagination and play are serious stuff. You know, play is serious mm-hmm. stuff to kids. You know, it's a serious as and the executive. And to adults too. Yeah, to adults. So it's, mm-hmm. it has to be. And so yeah. So, and for me, you know, having a strong belief that we really are going to manifest, we're going to create what we imagine, our expectations, our general mood, our feelings, our outlooks, our self-talk, all that creates your physical experience. So without a deliberate um, use of that imagination to see what you want, to see something glorious, to see your own um, evolution, you know, mm-hmm. to see your own uh, your own path. You, yeah, it, it's a very sad reality. Well, there's a, a guy named Frank Jacob who has a, he did a great presentation on uh, the pineal gland recently. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so the pineal gland is becoming uh, mm. people are becoming aware of this. I mean, mm-hmm. they always have been, but more and more, there's kind of a pineal gland uh mm-hmm. renaissance and so there is yeah it's great mm-hmm. yeah Very good. And so that and that's where you have the i didn't realize this it was so neat he's talking about how so you see the american indians they always had the feather mm-hmm. and the feather was right above the pineal gland mm-hmm. and and he he says he says there's a you know very good chance that that was like you can actually it, it's this acknowledgement of the pineal gland and so when you see the american indians who did that you think oh my gosh so you mean these, so you mean they were putting an antenna on their pineal gland right. to like to turn it up to have that connection to the flame and perishable to have that connection to spirit to communication. So, I mean, that just got me. I was looking at you know pictures of of American Indians or as Indians, and I was realizing how man they really do. I mean, there's so much you know evidence of that. You know, photographs where you realize like these guys put antennas on their pineal gland. That just blew me away. And now that imagination, that uh, our 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 antenna to God, basically, mm-hmm. um, to consciousness, gets poisoned. And oh, he yeah. showed he, he showed pictures of the calcification of the hardening of the pineal gland, From and you're fluoride. like from fluoride mm-hmm. you know. of the water mm-hmm. and i wonder about like the graphene nightmare like what's that do- what's that mm-hmm. doing to the pineal gland you want to you want to shut somebody's connection to god down real quick you want to take They're, their feather do that that's right yep. boom here you go <laughs> and if you notice the crowns worn by galadriel yes. uh arwen 
uh, Elrond. And then uh, the best seer, the best view of this is Aragorn after the coronation. And he turns around and you can see his his crown and the um, the symbol on the front of his crown. It looks like a pine cone. Yes, it, it's the pineal gland. So, so this, it's evident in Lord of the Rings that they're, you know, it's like, hey, folks, pay attention. You know, we got this uh, pineal gland thing going on in here. Galadriel is the Lady of Light. Mm. Well, what does that mean? Why, why did Tolkien, you know, name her the Lady of Light? Well, when you start examining the meaning of light, the purpose of light, that's the flame and perishable, is the light, the life force of the universe. And how we perceive that is the pineal gland. And this, so here's this little teeny gland about the size of a raisin floating in an aqueous solution in the center of the brain. The inside of the pineal gland is lined with photoreceptive cells. What? Yeah. What does that mean? Why on earth would this teeny little gland right buried in the center of the brain where photons are not getting in there? Are they? Mm -mm. Mm. So what is happening in that? place this is where we see our dreams and where we connect to the imaginal the the capacity to visualize to envision to have vision is all going on in that pineal gland mm. so no wonder there uh, the foe would want to shut all that down Oh, yeah. Turn the pineal gland off and you've got an orc. And That's right. One of the, yeah, one of the things that Frank Jacob was talking about in his presentation on the pineal gland, that I'll send it to you. Um, mm, yeah, I love that. He, he talks about how once that pineal gland is turned off and a person no longer has their connection to consciousness, to God, to this natural connection that is to our very essence, once we lose that, he mentions that that's when – Demonic spirits can enter. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, there you go. Well, it reminds me that right now, and I think along with all of that, it seems that reality itself, which can be a beautiful thing. I think reality is beautiful. It's now become a conspiracy theory. That, mm. Like, all, all that's real is now a conspiracy theory. Like, if you talk to, and I'll use the word normies, like, affectionately I, I wish there was a more polite word but i'll just say normies you know mm -hmm. if you talk to normies about evil and good existing yeah they'll get pissed off at you yeah and, nobody wants and, to hear about evil yeah or even really good it's like this mm -hmm. the, the, this whole place where you would do work on yourself there is evil polarity there is good and what are they and where am i in that you know mm -hmm. and that it's a very juvenile, you know, population that doesn't have an understanding of the good, right? You know, and so people get mad at that if you say, like, okay, I want to talk about reality, goodness, truth, and evil, and mm -hmm. they'll be like, 
no. <laughs> the, yeah. No, they'll really get mad at you. <laughs> I know. Been there. <laughs> <laughs> Been there, yeah. They're like, no. For sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh uh-uh, uh, no, don't talk about that. Don't don't uh let us know the real truth of just how evil things are. Um say for just as a, an mm-hmm. example. And and you mentioned uh in your email um about the sound of freedom that yeah. the film. So what what is revealed there is precisely what we're talking about. So we are we've already discussed what's happening to the children with the drag queen story time and that they're now injecting them with God knows what um, from the moment of birth. And and now we're discovering or well, I mean, I've known about it for decades. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, but that there uh, I mean, there is literally a harvesting of children that's going on at an industrial level and at an absolutely unbelievable uh, number of children every year, you know, like 10 million sucked yeah. into this, uh, this um, satanic, uh, just incomprehensibly evil. And I think that that's really what, um, the so-called normies um, just cannot handle. It, it's it's too horrific, a- and so they shut down. It, it's like if if you have to, you know. So so, and I've had this encounter, you know, with mostly my family, and um, I mean they're all good people, they're all intelligent, um, but. You start bringing up things like child sex trafficking, boom, the door slams, and that's the end of it. No, we're not talking about that. that. You know, that can't be real. That can't be happening. And so don't don't talk about it again. And that's that's kind of where you hit the wall. But oh, it's yeah. it's also the there has to be a certain amount of emotional, psychological, and spiritual strength to even hold that idea to to really grasp the magnitude mm. of this thing it, yeah. it's huge and it's well it, i think again it comes around to this idea that the the women in, in lord of the ring the mothers die of grief when touched by evil mm. that that to to comprehend or to just even spend some time investigating this whole thing, it, it does just open up a well of grief. That oh, this sure is does. happening to the most vulnerable uh, of us. And uh, yeah, so facing that <laughs> is part of the initiation. I think we're all going through an initiation here. Oh, I think it is, and I think it's tough stuff because when a person, like one of the things I've oftentimes felt has you know plagued me, and I, I mean that in a good way, as odd as it may sound, that's really plagued me or been a difficult thing to live with, is. You know, I was in the military when I was a youngster, and so I spent like mm-hmm. four months. Well, I spent a while in some parts of Africa. Mm-hmm. And I spent uh, four months in 
I know it's in Africa, but specifically um, Somalia. And, oh, yeah. And uh, that was like right after you know Black Hawk Down. The movie ended. That's oh, when that, that, wow. that's when we showed up and we held that beach area at the end of the movie. You'll see that we were there. Um, wow. I was actually, yeah, it's actually where they run out at the end. They're out of ammo. That's right where our, our base was. Um, Holy so, cow. yeah, that was four really, really four plus really, really crappy months. Let me tell you. And so, jeez, that's intense. Yeah. Yeah, and so, I think what is. If, if plague is the right word, but it's been it's been a beautiful thing too. But it's been hard, and I can see why people want to sidestep, um, you know, truth, goodness, evil, yeah. spirituality. Because living with evil, so for me, a lot of people they don't want to do the evil thing. They'll they'll just say like it doesn't exist or yeah. everybody has a good side. And I'm like, oh, I'm telling you, it's what it's up. I tell people I say I've struggled with this for years you know mm-hmm. um i'm like no there is evil oh, it's yeah. like and, and when you really go there the idea of the mother's dying of grief when evil touches them and I, we'll definitely talk about that before we check out that there's a i want to ask you something about that but yeah mm-hmm. the it it will change it will color everything in your life that's when you're right. aware that evil exists and you've seen it, and you'll never be the same. And mm-hmm. um, it, and uh, like I love this one great meme I saw. Like if you think Sound of Freedom is a conspiracy theory, you're a pedophile. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, you know. And along with the Sound of Freedom too is that it didn't. This is one thing people often I think is worth mentioning is that it didn't just happen. People think no, no, no the sound it of freedom just didn't once. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't just happen. No, it's been. This is as you're saying. This is not new. And so, for people to look at that and absorb it and understand it and realize evil, um, I get why they don't. But it's it's a life not lived. Even though it will color everything, it will affect you in every way forever. You you don't want to miss it, or else it's just not it's not a good thing. And uh, one last thing along that theme is that like, one thing I think that people get mad about too is just that notion of truth, and I feel like right now um, the truth does it on it may be the world of Caesar as they put it in the Bible, but the truth does exist. There there is truth in every situation, you know. Maybe it's paradoxical; it doesn't matter. But there is truth. Truth exists. Like like is evil real? Does it exist? Yes, that is truth. You know, um, but now. It seems like we have something I've never seen before, and I'm not sure when it started, but I know it started in the last, let's say, two, three years, I think. Hmm. People say, well, I just don't believe that. Right. And I'm like, yeah. what kind of weak crap is that? What do you mean you just, I don't, oh, so here's truth, and you're going to just say, well, I don't believe that. Canceled. I'm like, right. what the crap is that? <laughs> well, you know what? I, I think that what what has happened there is that, Again, this has been going on certainly yeah. for the last hundred years, but even more specifically, I would say since the 1960s, mm. it, there has been an an ongoing infantilization of the people, and and because it's been this slow kind of drip, 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 um, it people haven't really noticed that they have become infantilized like babies and and this uh culture of dependence on big daddy 
government, corporation, institution, whatever it is, that people have been uh, seduced to give up all their power and sovereignty to these, you know, things that are apparent that have named themselves our, you know, caretakers. Mm. And as soon as we as human beings and certainly as adults, no adult should be giving their power to any of anything outside themselves. I mean, this is back to the realm building. The idea is if you're a man, you build a realm. And if you're a woman, you find a good man or, I mean, it doesn't have to be in the typical way, but you align with, I mean, women of queenly stature are women who support and align with men of kingly stature because we need both. We need the realm builders to create the containers where life can grow. And then we need the queens who tend to the life force within those protected realms. And in this dance of masculine, feminine, king, queen, that's how we serve the higher order of things. The divine king, queen. And this this um, infantilization has been this, you know, slow and very, in many ways, very subtle. And I mean, this really, uh, I really saw this and well, I experienced it in the in the 1960s, how how it was, you know, how the the young people were turned to, you know, just being children, you know, like, oh, we don't have to be responsible for anything. We're just going to live in communes and do drugs and have sex all day. And we're just going to, you know, basically behave like a bunch of unruly children. And, and so that was kind of allowed, right? It was allowed to be marketed as this great thing, this great liberation, especially for women. You know, that whatever it was, mm. second wave feminism that really had nothing to do with the first wave feminism, the suffragettes and the women who actually were, you know, standing up for their rights and equality in a real way. But then that style, that all got kind of twisted around during the 1960s, which, by the way, uh, I mean, there was very powerful astrological alignments taking place during the mid-1960s. But uh, one of those um, astrological cycles, that being Saturn in Pisces, was taking place during the mid-1960s. That came around again. Saturn has a 30-year cycle. That came around again in the early 1990s. Mm. And we're there again now. Oh. Saturn is all about um, con- the concrete, the realm of matter. Pisces is everything that is not of the material world. That would be dreams, visions, fantasies. Neptune rules Pisces. Pisces and Neptune rule the pineal gland. So Saturn, Saturn is the symbol of the shadow. 
So when Saturn is going to work, particularly in the sign of Pisces, it's time to really take stock of how the imagination has been hijacked. And and it is also a time of concretizing the the ability to create. That is, it's one thing to sit around imagining things and, you know, not really doing anything with it. Saturn says, okay, here's you got this imagination going on. Now you've got to make something out of that. You don't just sit around imagining things or or playing with fantasy you know pretending that you're you know a a boy when you're a girl or like you yeah. know other way around or um not taking responsibility for yourself and your life that's saturn saturn demands that we be responsible and so now we're having to become more responsible for what has happened to the imagination and to be able to follow these cycles back because it's all, I mean, it's a, a dot connecting exercise. Like you can follow these astrological cycles back through thousands of years of history and see the same thing, same patterns come up again over and over and over again. And in order to really um, win this battle at the Black Gate that we're now in, we have to be able to connect the dots back because what we're dealing with now didn't just start in the last three years. It's been going on for millennia. And it is now up to us, the men and women of the West, to bring all this to consciousness and to to take take up the sword right that like aragorn did and the swords of our time are words so if you take the s from the word sword and you put it at the end you have words words are the swords of our time we need to reclaim the power of our language and look at how that's been uh, basically destroyed. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're now communicating with emojis and basically grunts and, uh, uh, I mean, just the contamination of the language and the, the diminishment of the language. I, I mean, think of someone like Tolkien who, who was. Um, obviously a professor of English literature and and uh, a scholar of the ancient languages of the Northern European peoples, the ancient Northern European peoples. Uh, Tolkien spoke 35 languages. Really? All, oh, I, I yes, know. of these ancient dialects. And, and in his writing, he, he talked about how the the story of Lord of the Rings came to him through the language. He heard the language. Now, if wow. that's not amazing, I don't know what. Like, that is incredible. And, and it really highlights the importance for all of us now to reclaim the 
um, the language of our people. And I mean, just think about how rich the language is in in all the the old literature, all the, oh, the yeah. literature of the last two hundred years. Shakespeare, <laughs> I mean, or any of the stories or myths, um, and the, all the great literature, all the great authors and the poets and um, all of that. I mean, how much of that are children being exposed to? How about we have that being read to children in the library instead of these pornographic, you know, uh, transgender things? That they're teaching children now. Yeah, we have to yeah. reclaim our language, and and by doing so, then we are much more capable of putting our inner experience into language in such a way that it can be heard and understood by other people. Then we're communicating. We're bringing forth something from within ourselves, from the imaginal, and and putting that into language so that that idea or that image can be transmitted to another human being. And that other human being can hear those words, those sounds, which, by the way, are cymatically organized and resonant. Mm. So when we're when we speak, it's not only the words, it's the cymatic resonance that echoes back through history, through to all of these languages that Tolkien studied, because the, all of those ancient languages of the people of the Arctic homeland our ancestors, the ancestors of the men and women of the West came from that Arctic homeland area. I mean, some say Atlantis. I I would go along with that. I think uh, human beings have been on planet Earth for a very, very long time. Oh, yeah. Much longer than what our so-called history tells us. And, and Tolkien knew he he heard those languages in his own psyche and then basically downloaded the story from the language and he he wrote that he that the the tale came to him as a as a whole thing like wow. one big download yeah and when was this happening? While he was sitting in the trenches in World War I, he had his little notebook, and he'd be there in the trenches, and the bombs are going off, and his all his I think all his friends were killed in in World War I. And so there he was in the trenches with his little notebook, downloading this amazing story about a ring and all all that came out of that i mean it's really miraculous mm. and that's the thing about you know having your pineal gland turned on you know being exactly. an, yeah. 
aware of the I am of the flame imperishable is that because it's through that that Tolkien downloaded Lord right. of the Rings. That's you right. Know. Yeah. 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 You don't yeah, want to because light, light is is an information field. Yes. And it's an information field that behaves like a fluid. Mm. So if light is an information field that behaves as a fluid, well, then we have this wave idea. So what are the things that we know operate via waves, sound and light? And it turns out that sound came before light. That after the so-called Big Bang, which personally I don't think it was a bang. I think it was some kind of an electromagnetic effect. And and that effect opened up a wave pattern. And according to the actual science, after so there was this this initial so-called bang or let's say flash of light based on an electromagnetic some kind of an electromagnetic effect and that released the this these waves and in the first 300,000 years after that so-called bang there there was only sound because the the contents were little particles photons banging against each other in in a very small space so this is the microwave uh radiation background that that you can still hear that static the microwave radiation background and then after the particles started to become farther apart after some time after that 300 300,000 or so years that then light appeared so sound wow. comes before light and there's the flame imperishable and there's the story that begins in the Ainu Lindale where Eru the one made created a great music And he kindled within the Ainur, the flame imperishable. But it was a music. It came from the music. And then the vision of Arda and the world came out of the music and and came into the imagination, the vision, through the music and then they were able to visualize and create in matter the vision which became the world arda yeah i always thought arda is an amazing word for world i prefer yeah arda yeah. It's so great and so it's a good time to ask because you know that we've we've talked about it a good deal but how would you well, actually? So the flame imperishable, something definitely to we could touch on. Um, mm-hmm. I've always thought of it 
like 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 a coal in your chest, a hot coal in mm-hmm. your chest that needs to be blown on. Yeah. And I think that was one of the ideas that I had in, in speaking today is I think that everyone, you know, needs a bit of the cymatic of words, you know, blown yep. into that coal in their chest to right. be enlivened because it's just it's a tough time. Maybe it always is, probably. But it seems it's never like been there's never been this though. This is it's, but it's yeah. never been this, this like you're saying. One. Yeah. Yeah. And so people could use that breath upon their their the coal of their flame imperishable. Uh-huh. It's, and uh, Gandalf said, you know, I am a servant of the secret fire. Secret you fire. Know. That's yeah, right. Which was the flame imperishable? So just uh-huh. how would you define the flame imperishable? Because people need it. They need those. They need, they need those coals stoked. That's right. Well, I I would connect it up with the myth of Prometheus. And the myth of Prometheus is is very much alive now in the human psyche. And um, it has been erupting um, over the last three years. So so briefly, I'll just tell the story of Prometheus. So Prometheus um, was actually a titan, which were precursors to the human race. And because of... Uh, his connection to the humans, Prometheus had a great deal of compassion for them, who at that time had no fire, so they had no heat and no light. So Prometheus approached Zeus one day and said, hey Zeus, how about we give the humans some fire? They're having a hard time down there with no heat and no light. Well, Zeus, in fear that if the humans had fire, they would become more powerful than the gods, refused. Well, Prometheus, being the rebel and revolutionary, um, snuck in or defied Zeus, snuck in to the back door of Olympus one night, stole the sacred fire and brought it to humanity. Well, when Zeus discovered the theft, he was enraged at Prometheus and decided that he would be punished. And his punishment was to be chained up to a rock on a far off mountain peak where Zeus would send his eagle every day to chew out Prometheus' liver. And during the night, the liver would grow back, and the next day the eagle would come again and chew it out. And this was to be Prometheus' fate for eternity, until another god came onto the scene, and this was Chiron, the wounded healer, Mm. the half-man, half-horse. Chiron was a centaur and was well known as a very wise sage and healer. So Chiron's job was to to um, train the heroes and warriors who would come to him to seek his counsel before they went off on their quests or off to battle. And so Chiron would roam the forests with his group of chalas behind him, expounding at length on the beauty of nature and the wonder of herbs and magic and healing. Well, one day, however, he was wounded by an arrow that had been dipped in the blood of the Hydra. The Hydra is a dragon-like creature that lives in the underworld. The poison of the Hydra was so deadly that this is a wound that could never heal. And even all of Chiron's knowledge and wisdom of herbs and healing and magic could not heal the wound. And because he was a god, he couldn't die. So he suffered incredibly as a result of this until finally he approached Zeus 
and begged that Zeus exchange his destiny for that of Prometheus. Well, Zeus, in a rare moment of compassion, agreed, and the soul of Chiron went to the underworld in place of Prometheus, and Prometheus was freed and went on to bring to humanity the gifts of science, mathematics, architecture, and basically all the tools of civilization. Now, this myth of Prometheus is connected to the sign of Aquarius in astrology. The planet that rules Aquarius is Uranus. Uranus is known as the great liberator, and it rules lightning, along with things like volcanoes and earthquakes, those kinds of things that appear to be sudden and unexpected, but which are really a result of stress and tension that has built up over thousands of years. This is how Uranus operates within the psyche as well that there are patterns of behavior um, that we have, we as human beings, have operated out of for our, our personal life, but also for millennia that clearly no longer serve us. And so this force of the light, because the torch of Prometheus, is, it's not fire, it's the light so Prometheus steals the light from the chief Olympian deity, the big boss, defies that ruling order and says, no, I will take the light and I will deliver this to humanity. And the God who ensures that Prometheus is freed to do that is the wounded healer. We are all wounded healers because we are like centaurs. We were talking earlier in our discussion today about the this idea of being um, spirits incarnated in matter. Well, that's a centaur. A centaur is a half man, half horse. And it is the image of the dilemma of being a human, that we are animals, but we are also spirit. We are also the carriers of this light, of the torch of Prometheus. And what is happening now astrologically is that the torch has been lit. You know, in Lord of the Rings, the beacons have yes. been lit. And where we saw this um, really erupt in the human psyche was during the trucker freedom convoy that took place here in Canada, of all places. Yeah. And yes, they, the foe, were able to push that down. But it has not been extinguished. Because this, this light, this Promethean spirit, is something that is awakened in the human psyche when the life force itself is under threat. This thing is a force of nature. The Promethean spirit is a force of nature and it has already risen and it cannot and will not be crushed. And so after that event in Canada, um, we saw sparks 
lighting all around the world. All around the world. And those sparks have not died out. They have, in many ways, gone underground. But that fire, that light, and that passion, and that force of nature is building up energy down there in the unconscious and in consciousness. And that will prevail. And we will see that come to pass as we continue to do battle at the Black Gate, which I expect will be going on uh, for the next three years or so. But once Pluto, the planet of transformation and metamorphosis, uh, fully enters the sign of Aquarius, that's the myth of Prometheus, um, once it enters in for its full duration in the sign of Aquarius, which will go on until about uh, 2043. Um, this awakening, this lighting of the beacons, lighting of the torch, it is going to escalate around the world. Mm -hmm. And that Promethean spirit will prevail because it represents the life force of the universe. And we are all a little spark of that. And, and I love what you said about blowing on that coal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, there it is. And we there all got one. And so the personal work here is to pick up that torch, take it down into your own underworld, into the own dark places within where the shadow where the shadows lie and where we have unprocessed undigested terror rage and grief and where little aspects of our own divine child um, have had to hide because we've not invited that out into the light and fully claimed our power as beings of light riding around in animal bodies, animal bodies that we ought to be caring for with the utmost love. And not a lot of that's been going on in the last mm. while. And I think, you know, probably every last one of us are have been at some point guilty of abusing these amazing bodies out of ignorance mostly and also out of the conditioning that has been at work for well again since the 1960s i mean what were the things that came came into the world during that time well fast food for one yeah. thing yeah a plastic so that was you know uh, the dispensation of plastic everything in the 60s um, everything was plastic and and it was celebrated oh plastic it's the best thing ever everything should be made of plastic <laughs> and lo and behold it was <laughs> including the food so yes yes we were duped we we didn't know we we didn't have the knowledge then but we do have that knowledge now yes we do and and there 
the information is available to anyone who wishes, who chooses, who wants to really look after these these divinely inspired bodies. And the healthier we are physically, the more capable we are of holding that light and being like a beacon, um, we, yeah. like a Promethean spirit for everyone around us, because that's that's the first mm-hmm. level of influence, right? It's the just your people you know, your friends, your family, just the people you're in your community. Um, we have to each be the kings and the queens and the bearers of light, the carriers of that torch, like Prometheus, who will not be, who will not submit to the ruling order, no matter who it is. Because the light, this torch, it is the life force of the universe. And that's what creates everything. Because we are individually those the beacons of Gondor, you know, like the flames yeah, are lit. We that's are. right. And, and I think one realizes just the importance of that, that for those who want to be, who have that will, um, you are that beacon. So in a sense, you know, like that saying, you know, be the change you want to see in the world. Well, ultimately, once your light is lit, you know it. And there really is no going back. And that was sort of the, that's right. a, a, yeah. a message in, in, in the Matrix where Cypher wanted to go back in the Matrix. And uh-huh. well, you can't. You know, it's that's like, right. no. So I don't yeah. think Cypher ever really woke up or he wouldn't have gone back. He wouldn't have wanted to, but it's metaphorical. But yeah. still, sometimes this world can seem kind of cold and hopeless when you mm-hmm. are awake. But yet, you have that importance of, well, you're a beacon. It's essential. Yeah. And you you need to be that for others and yeah because it's not you know it's it's this day is just not about one man right mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's right i think that in canada with the trucker um strike th- so mm. much started happening and mm. it would take too long to even begin to, to to touch on it but basically one of the huge things that i saw that happened was they were looking at people's cell phones their locations and they were turning bank accounts off that's right. You know, mm-hmm. and so that has changed the world. People yep. do not trust anymore. That mm-hmm. I think, I don't even want to use the word woke. I don't want to say woke people up, but it changed the yes, world. Yes, it did. Absolutely. It, it, Forever. Is, yeah, yeah. People went, oh, I see how it is. I mm-hmm. see. <laughs> you know. That's right. Yeah. And so. Well, that was uh, like a revelation of the ring of power. You know, oh, like pe- yes. the people, you know, were were still naive, like, oh, there's no one ring to rule them all. Come on. We just, you know, we'll just all get together and stand yeah. up and say no. And they'll they'll yeah. um, wake up and say, oh, gosh, yeah, sorry. We didn't mean to, you know, try to control everything you do. Uh, no, that was not what happened. The yeah. realization is that. um they're not going to give up that easy. And we are all going to have to come out of this infantilization, do the inner work to become the kings and queens, the mature men and women who can collaborate together and hold that light. Mm-hmm. Because, the, you know, the, the reality, the real truth is that there's like 
way more of us than there is of them. It's just incredible that that they've been able to, through the use of psychological warfare, which obviously is their most uh, effective weapon. That's what they've been able to to wield most effectively. And and so the the reality is we have to stand against that and and say no, 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 yeah. no more. And all of us have to rise together because the, it's the numbers, right? Once it becomes apparent that there's millions and millions and billions of us and the foe amount to only relatively what a few thousand that are really at the top of the pyramid and then of course they have all their minions and orcs right yeah Um, but even at that they are few we have the power the power of the life force of the universe and once people really start to get that and come together with others who get that, we are unstoppable. We are unstoppable. You know, there's something happening here in Canada actually on Wednesday. I, I don't know if it's going on globally or in other places in the world, um, but they're calling it the Million Man March for Children. And and so this is in uh, to to stand against all this um, pride transgender business, yeah, um, and and to protect the children uh, from this evil. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because this is this is the first thing since the trucker freedom convoy that that's really calling upon numbers of people. To show up at the uh, parliament buildings and municipal governance places in Canada to show numbers. And it's uh, um, primarily being launched through a collaboration of Muslims and Christians. Wow. And other people who um, are joining that group. To, to put a stop to this it brings it brings forth a, like a biblical quote and I, I can't quote exactly where it's from but it's the line uh, those who do not know me the flame imperishable yeah. <laughs> those who do not know me harm themselves yeah. and love death yeah yeah and I and I think wow now see that million man march that makes that so apparent you know it's like those who do not know me you know those who don't have that inner flame that inner flame of gondor the beacon um like what if you have it and you cultivate it others will see it and as that's right as as they gather in that realm in these realms around the capitol buildings it makes it so apparent that those that do not know the flame imperishable injure themselves like vaccinate themselves and eat garbage and think dumb things And they love death, or it also translates to they worship death. And so I think that is going to make that biblical line so apparent. I mean, they will be demonized. (laughs) Mm. But no one can do anything good for the world right now without being demonized. There's not a chance. So I think that it's a good thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
demonized according to the folks. Yes. Yeah. And they're they're working full time to oh, try yeah. to to try to paint the um rising of the light as as something hateful. Yeah. Because what's the what's their favorite line now? It's hate speech. Oh, so if you yeah. if you say anything against any part of their agenda, it's instantly labeled as hate speech. And now there's law. Yes. That you can you can be put in prison for you know saying a bad word. Uh, I mean that's pretty radical. That's pretty over the top. And, oh, yeah. And but people are starting to wake up to that, too, because and, the word is getting out. Well, what? So and so, you know, is in jail or they were fined or, of course, all the censorship. You know, look at how many people in the, in the alternative media who've oh, yeah. been censored and and unable to speak and get their message and their information out to the world and the comments section is where you see a lot of i see a lot of the light a lot of the beacons are in the comments uh-huh. sections i yeah. mean because uh, there was a governor governor of new mexico here in the united states oh yeah she was saying like well yeah. because you know uh because, because i this, said so because i said so she's yeah. like well because of my damn feelings actually yeah, because yeah. because the globalist told me to uh-huh. um i'm gonna like uh you know try to push my authority and create a precedence that governors can create law and do things that yeah. are unconstitutional i'm gonna say all law-abiding citizens can now lo- no longer open carry or concealed carry um, a weapon in my state uh-huh. because uh, right. children, because because got children, you know. And somebody in the comments section said, "If you care so much about children, lady, why don't you close your border?" Yeah. Oh, uh-huh. oh. there you go. I was like, oh, uh-huh. there's right. the flame and perishable right there coming through the comments section. So, I do see it. There's a lot of people who. Uh, I see it a lot. I think the more you cultivate it and the more you look for it, the more you begin to see it. And mm-hmm. um, so one thing I, I had here for a while, but one thing I wanted to touch on before you you, you go is, um, so Aragorn, after mm-hmm. killing the mouth of Sauron, you know, when the mouth of Sauron was trying to deceive them, mm-hmm. he said, I don't, I do not believe it. I will not. That's right. And, I was and thinking what is how, the mouth of Sauron? That's the, ma- that's the mainstream media propaganda machine. Uh, yes, it's mm-hmm. true. Oh, great way to put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and so Aragorn, it, being a man of kingly stature, he knows the truth. Yes. And he, he does not accept the propaganda. And he whacks the head off that thing. Beheads the mainstream media. Men of kingly stature who speak the truth and are, you know, stand up with courage, um, behead that beast. Mm. And metaphorically, I think of the sword as the will, you know. And so, yeah, he he decapitated the hiss of the snake with his will. Right. And the sword of our time. Swords of our time are words. Yes. So by the use of 
the the right use of language that's mm-hmm. how we that's how we undermine the propaganda machine absolutely and uh just to go across a couple things because i know i've had mm-hmm. you for a while um mm-hmm. so um Eowyn, the shield maiden of rohan yeah. uh and mary brandybuck uh, mm-hmm. they rode into battle and they slayed the witch king of angmar That's uh, right. lord of the nazgul you know mm-hmm. and so it's an amazing in the book it's amazing and the movie yeah. it's amazing very powerful um, scene in the movie. So. You know, and and everyone loves that line. I am no man. <laughs> you know. Yes, that's right. Yeah, uh-huh. and so something that got me was um, uh, Strider's hope. You know, Aragorn, Strider, the king. You know, his hope and his he- so Strider's hope and healing, like his. You know, I will not believe it. I do not believe it. I don't believe the mainstream media, but also he he was a healer. And this is essential, yeah. like, mm-hmm. and uh, only Strider could heal the wounded souls of yeah. Eowyn and Mary after being cursed through the blade that they yeah. used to slay the Witch King. So in a sense, right, touched wow, by evil. There's deep stuff there. Like, yeah. the King is a heal. How come only Aragorn could heal them? Because he he is the archetype of the King. Now. It, in the study of kingship, you know, through history, it was said that to be seen by the king was to be blessed. Mm. So kingship is an archetype. And each of us has to find a relationship with the inner king. That character, that component of the human psyche that builds realms. And once we have a personal relationship with that force of nature on the inside or force of the psyche on the inside, then what that instills is trust. Uh, I would, instead of using hope, I would use the word trust. Hope Mm. is kind of a fuzzy word. It's like sort of, yeah, you sit around hoping. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, nothing yeah. really happens. You, you're just like hoping. But trust is a powerful word. Because mm. there is a deep knowing, a primal knowing, that the life force of the universe will not be crushed. And if you are a man who would be king, then you must trust in that force within you and then you bring hope slash trust to men by being a role model being an example of a man of kingly stature who stands up to the forces of evil and by doing so inspires everyone else in the realm like Aragorn's speech at the Black Gate. Yeah. That powerful force, I, it, that powerful speech. I, I mean, it makes me cry every time I hear it. Oh, and uh, oh, I forget. and he had a great voice for it in the movie too. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, absolutely, he had a great he had a great kingly voice, and he yeah, did. the Black at the Black Gate, where I believe that that speech was by Aragorn was you know 
a day may come when courage of no i'm sorry a day may come when the courage of men fails when we forsake our friends and yes. break all bonds of fellowship yes. but it is not this day it is not, this, not day. this day a day of wolves and smashing shields when the age of men come crashing down but it is not this day this day we fight with all that you hold dear on this good earth i bid you stand men and women of the west yeah i love it hear that globalist we're coming for you <laughs> we are we're they're already done they're done <laughs> they're done because they have no life force yeah that that's they need our life force they're predators they they are trying to suck the life out of the rest of us because they can't create anything evil cannot create it can only use what has been created as yeah. food and it always needs more it's true that's why they want the whole world and everything in it yeah and now they come from the place of being you know global unelected officials you know i didn't give the wef the World Economic Forum or the UN or NATO no. or, or the EU. I didn't, uh, I don't believe I get, no. I did not, I do not approve of any of that. No. And so that's the thing we have now is rulers of countries like uh, Trudeau, Macron, you know, people mm -hmm. like that. Their vision, see now they get their orders from on high to destroy that's their right. country. Then right. they get promoted to, to, to this. Uh -huh. See now, why I think it's never been like it has now is yeah. it used to be be a fascist leader of your country. Now yeah. it's be a fascist leader of your country, destroy it. Then mm -hmm. you can come to the high table. That's right. Yeah. Hang out with uh -huh. Klaus. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know? Well, they're, so, they, they, um, they are the Nazgul. They are ever, the Nazgul. Everlasting yeah. for the ring of power. Yeah. But they never, but, but it's, they're always fighting with each other. Right. Mm, yeah. I mean, the, yeah, they can put on this little show like, yeah, we're so powerful. And we're controlling everything. And um, but they're weak and they're predators and they have no life force. That's why they're sucking it out of the rest of us. And and once the people really start to get this. It's over. I mean, I think it's already over for them. But just like in the at the end of the Lord of the Rings, it, it's you know where we are. We still have to do this battle. You know, we are doing battle now. We are at the battle at the Black Gate. We are doing that battle. It's probably going to go on for another three or four years, pretty hardcore. And they are going to roll out every weapon they've got i mean we're already seeing it right we got the next yeah. round of the bioweapon okay that's coming they're going to try all the lockdown again and the masks and all the rest of it meanwhile they're also going to roll out the climate hysteria oh yeah so then then we're going to have that on top of it oh now we got to lock everything down because of you know co2 emissions and we got to, you know, they may very well shut down the grid, shut down the Internet. I mean, we have to be prepared for yes. some pretty scary stuff. 
mm-hmm. and and to weather that storm, you know, to to keep going even when it seems futile. Because um it, they they will be destroyed in the end. And it's hard to see that now and we have to trust yes that the life force of the universe is what we are made of and what we are the carriers of yeah yeah you are the flame of gondor you are mm-hmm. the beacon you are you know um it's so true well this has been great i mean i really think i hope that we helped inspire inspired me i hope that we this goes out there and inspires others because i think it's just an essential message of our time right now mm-hmm. um and Laura Lee does a lot of stuff. But one of the things Laura Lee does is uh, Jungian astrology and dream work sessions. And so actually, what are some of the things that you offer? Because, you know, I never I never touched on that last time we spoke. Mm. And you do a lot of great stuff for people. What are some of the uh, services that you offer? Well, what I do in my work is doing my private con- consultations. Um, and that's what I love to do is, is to work with clients, um, based on their, um, astrological chart from a Jungian perspective. And as you know, I've also done a deep study of the Lord of the Rings as the myth for our time. And and so I have, um, the, uh, episodes, five episodes in that series are, already complete and up on my website so um i'm sure that you'll just put my um oh i definitely linked source there yeah okay great Uh, rather than me spelling it all out anyway so people can find my work there and uh if if anyone is inclined to um have their chart done i would love to do that and uh yeah that's that's about it yeah, well, that is quite a lot, and uh, <laughs> the um, the the videos you've done on Lord of the Rings, um, on the uh, I guess to say it's not mythology, it's real, it's reality or something like that, you know, uh, it's it's reality, and so those are there, and of course, also on your homepage, you've got um, some interviews that you've done that are yeah. well, well, one that's right there, then of course you have a page on. Uh, um, uh, interviews. You have great stuff. So definitely, um, if a person goes to Laura Lee's site, um, llastrology-lotr.com, um, you will be entertained for quite a while. So definitely check that out. And um, we have not done it yet here at Radiant Creators Central, but we definitely are going to get uh, a chart done and uh, work with Laura Lee because, um, wonderful. you know, everybody seek wisdom darn it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know um i i do wonder sometimes like what would this world be like if everyone's you know grandfather was joseph campbell and their grandmother was um exactly i mean just you you know (laughs) yeah sauron would never have a chance you know well i don't think he has a chance anyway but it's yeah i mean i I just would maybe in closing yes just reinforce the importance of myth because myth is to a culture what dreams are to the individual Mm. and the lord of the rings is like the dream of western civilization oh wow Mm. Mm. and when we learn to interpret 
using a tool used in Jungian dream analysis. It's called amplification. And I explain all this in my, uh, my videos. Um, so it's analyzing the symbols and the characters in the myth to understand what they mean in terms of the human psyche. Mm. And if this is the dream of Western civilization, then this story is telling us pretty much bang, 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 everything that's going on and what's happening and what we, the tools we have available to us to, to in fact deal with it. Wow. It's, it yeah. contains the whole thing. And maybe I could close with a, yes. a wonderful quote from uh, Samwise Gamgee. And it's it's comes right from the the point uh, one of the scenes in the films um, where Frodo was almost taken down by the Nazgul. They're they're on their way, you know, trying to get to Mordor, and um, uh, just right before Gollum is released uh, to lead them, right? Yeah. And so. Frodo is, uh, you know, almost taken down by this Nazgul. And uh, so Sam rescues him. And Sam says this. It's like in the great stories, Mr. Frodo, the ones that really mattered. Full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end. Because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing, this shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come, and when the sun shines, it will shine out the clearer. Those were the stories that stayed with you, that meant something even if you were too small to understand why. But I think, Mr. Frodo, I do understand. I know now folk in those stories had lots of chances of turning back, only they didn't, because they were holding on to something. That there's some good in this world, Mr. Frodo, and it's worth fighting for. Hmm. Wow, perfect way to <laughs> to sum it all up. Well, thank you for being on the show, Laura Lee. And, thank um, you, Craig. I really enjoyed it. Oh, me too. And I will send you a link when I get this uploaded. Thank you so much for being on again, okay. and you take Great. care. <laughs> you too. Uh, bye bye. Bye for now.